WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Grace Warner. And I'm Abby Grisey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Our last episode aired on National Coming Out Day, so we're filling you in on what you missed the past couple weeks. Coming up, we're taking you inside the Blackburn Spencer Scholarship pageant and going in-depth on a new Celtic music group that's making an impression around campus. They're one of those acts that's a really nice surprise to come across. That's one of the cool things about open stage is we never know what we're going to get from one week to the next. And so, I mean, they just came out with such presence and enthusiasm and the the things they play is just um, really unique and I think a really great fit for the atmosphere here too. We'll give you all the details and more coming up right here on The Outlet. Irish music isn't necessarily common in Athens, but three freshman girls were asked to perform Celtic music on their fiddles at a Donkey Coffee showcase. The trio has been performing together for several years. The outlets Connor Curick and Micah Upshaw delve into the group's roots. The walls of Ohio University's Glidden Hall usually echo with music and the sound of practicing. But unlike the classical music you commonly hear from a violin, this is fiddling. And three freshman girls are bringing it to Athens. They've already attracted crowds by fiddling on Court Street. Then, after performing at a Thursday night open mic session at Donkey Coffee several weeks ago, they were invited back to fill seats in the coffee house at a showcase performance on October 22nd. Janelle Wilkins is a freshman in the music therapy program. She's a violinist in the band. We came down to Donkey on Thursday at 8 o'clock and we played and we had a really good response from the audience and it was just so much fun to be up in front of people again fiddling and then it was kind of funny because like the next day or the next couple days like like some people came up to Hannah and I they were like well we saw you guys at Donkey and like we didn't know if we should come up to you but we had been like talking about you guys all day and like we were like freaking out we were like what people recognized us from that and then also the owner of Donkey contacted Hannah because we had put her number down for the open mic and he said that he wanted to feature us in a show on a Saturday night and he would pay us and stuff like that. So that was really cool. Like, that's just where things have escalated from the first weekend of college. This wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing, though. The trio has been working together since high school. So Hannah and I started fiddling in middle school, like in seventh grade, and then um, all three of us, Hannah, Anna, and I, we were in this Irish fiddle fetish group in high school, and we played in um, just like places around Dublin, Ohio, which is where we're from, which is in Columbus. And um, we went to Ireland one time, and we played with the Willis clan, um, and then we played with Mountain Faith Band, and we also played at the Dublin Irish Festival. So, it all started with Irish fiddle fetish, and that's a tough name to forget. Ana Reyes, another violinist, recalled her first experience in the high school group. I remember going for the first time with Janelle, and then like loving it so much and then like from that point on like freshman year and on like we were just like Tuesday nights we were fiddle nights and and like 
when it got to senior year, me, Hannah, and Janelle were just like, no, we don't, we don't want this to stop. It would, like, we love this so much, and like, it's been a part of our lives for such a long time that like, how could it stop? So we were um, talking about it, and we were just like, we should just do our own thing. Like, we should make our own band and just be, like, be able to be like, more creative. According to Hannah Sargent, the violist, the three girls always stood out in their orchestra program. Other students recognized this. Not only were they good friends, but they performed well together. Hannah came up with the idea of starting a group in college, and when all three enrolled at OU, they brought their fiddles to Athens. But Celtic music isn't the norm around southeast Ohio. So why Irish music? I've always been interested in Irish music and the culture because I am Irish. My great-grandpa came here from Ireland in the early 1900s, and he is really like what made me want to take it up and want to keep going and be the best at it. Movement is said to be extremely important to a Celtic performance. It's integrated into the fast pace of fiddling. The girl said that seeing a performance of Celtic music is much different than just listening to one. It's so lively that for many, it's hard not to get up and dance. So my great-grandpa, the one that lived in Ireland and came here in the 1900s, he was very um, sick for a long time. And when we started playing in high school, we played for retirement homes and nursing homes and stuff alike pretty often. It was just fun. It was good community service. It was a good reason to miss class. But we decided to go to my great-grandpa's home and it we saw really fast how in particular he would be asleep. And then if we played a song that he knew or like Danny Boy, Danny Boy always got him. He would tap along, he'd open his eyes, he'd make eye contact, and then by the end of the performance he would talk to us. And it was so crazy because at the beginning he'd be asleep, barely alive really. And then by the end he would engage in conversation and be making eye contact and it was really cool. Donkey Coffee booking manager Troy Gregorino was the one who contacted the trio in the first place to put on a paid performance. He thought they could bring something new to the stage. They're one of those acts that's a really nice surprise to come across. That's one of the cool things about open stage is we never know what we're going to get from one week to the next. And so, I mean, they just came out with such presence and enthusiasm and the, and the things they play is just um, really unique and I think a really great fit for the atmosphere here too. Celtic Company will perform at Donkey Coffee on Saturday, October 22nd at 8 p.m. Admission is $3. All great things start somewhere. And in Athens, they started Donkey. These girls have history, and they have talent, as Troy recognized. And you never know when a single performance will be the spark that ignites something huge. For The Outlet, I'm Connor Keurig. Reporters has started a segment in our podcast to introduce the diverse population of Athens one at a time. Whether they are residents, students, or visitors to the town, David will visit one of the colorful cafes in the area to grab a coffee and a seat with his subject of the episode. Today's topic will revolve around love in the season of fall. Here is David Lee in Cafe Talk. We join him as he's walking down Court Street. I'm walking right now on the corner of Court and Washington, heading to one of the coolest places in Athens. Uh, and on the left, I see the sheriff's office, and getting closer, I see it now. Uh, here we are, Donkey Coffee and Espresso. 
So we'll take a look. Uh, always full of people. So after entering the cafe, I went to the biggest room on the first floor, which is kind of like the commons room. And it was full of people, but my eyes immediately turned to the guy on my right, sleeping quite comfortably on the couch uh, with a book covering his face and his feet uh, sprawled up on the floor. And I knew it wouldn't be the nicest thing to do, but I was also very curious about him. So that's how I met Timmy Kinker, a junior theater major at Ohio University. And here's our interview. So what brings you to Donkey Cafe? Uh, well, uh, I come here because uh, we have a soup meeting, a student organization of undergraduate playwrights at 8 p.m. And, well, I like to sit here before and normally drink some nice tea, read a book. So do you guys come up with plays um, and you perform in front of students? That is the gist of it, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about one of the previous plays that you guys did uh, this semester? Oh, this semester, all right. Uh, so the last play we did was Period Piece, um, which has opened a number of interpretations. Ours were largely menstrual-themed. Uh, that, was, that was interesting. But, yeah, we had a nice mixture and inclusion with historical periods and punctuation. It was exciting. Later, we are doing uh, Welcome to Hell on November... Yeah, well, we're working on it still. So this is actually the um, question I've been building up to. Um, this is kind of our topic of today. Are you meeting someone or hoping to meet someone? Because, you know, the season of fall kind of has that mood, you know, it gets colder and maybe it's lonely. Uh, so I can see that. Uh, I have to say, every time everyone goes into a coffee shop, they're always hoping to fall in love. That's just a fact. It's, I think it's because we watch too many movies. But I'm personally in love, but you always, you always just hope to fall in love again. What would you say takes up most of your time these days? Uh, it feels like sleep when you get down to it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of writing instead of sleeping, which really makes you conscious of how much sleep normally happens. But uh, aside from that, writing. Uh, I'm in a lot of creative writing classes and playwriting classes, and it really takes more time than you think. What motivates you to write? A fear of not having done anything with my life. A fear of not having said what I want to say. And fear of bummitude. Can you explain that word? Uh, bummitude is uh, having achieved a total level of bumness, which is um, what you are if you say you're a writer and don't actually write. Who is someone you admire or like? Uh, my mom. Very much. Is there a particular reason? the level of self-sacrifice that my mom has put in over the years, how supportive she is, the energy that she approaches her life with. We all have our challenges, and I think she doesn't live in ignorance of that. Do you call her often? Whenever I'm far apart, I never get around to calling her as often as I should. You know, it is something you come to regret. There's a dog that I had, <laughs> would never play with. Then he died, and I think that's the moment you, when you realize, really realize that uh, you should have done more. If you did call your mom um, now, what, 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 is, what is one thing you would really want to say to her? Um, hmm. Thank you. 
Okay, last official question of our segment. Where can someone find Timmy Kinker in Athens? This coffee shop, first off, uh, about 20 hours a week. If not, I'm normally hanging around the theater building, Gantner Hall, or the library. Seeing some of our lovely theater we have around here. Fall love doesn't always have to be about finding a new romance, but it can remind us of the person who means the most to us and how void it felt without them near us. From the outlet, this is David Lee. During homecoming weekend, the Black Student Cultural Programming Board puts on their annual Blackburn Spencer Scholarship pageant. You may picture Miss USA in swimsuits, but our reporter Jacquez Printup tells us why this pageant is more than just pretty dresses and tuxedos. It's a busy Saturday afternoon in the Multicultural Center on one of the biggest days for the Black Student Cultural Programming Board, also known as the BSCPB. Girls are getting their makeup done while guys are getting their hair cut. Every year during homecoming, the Black Student Cultural Programming Board hosts the annual Blackburn Spencer Scholarship Pageant in Baker Ballroom. This year is a special one. It's the 40th annual pageant. President of the BSCPB, Jeffrey Billingsley, explained further. The Blacksburn Spencer pageant is a uh, one of the, fun, the biggest fundraising efforts for the Blackburn Spencer Scholarship. Um, it's taking place in Baker Ballroom. Um, it, it's the culmination of uh, fundraising efforts from 16 contestants who have been fundraising along with 16 um, student organizations as their sponsors. Um, over the course of uh, about a month, uh, they've been raising money to go to donate towards the uh, scholarship, which is given out in the spring um, at the Leadership Gala. Um, we usually give out um, $10,000 uh, worth of scholarships to um, between seven and nine students. Um, it's named after Martha Jane Hunley Blackburn, who was the first African-American female to graduate from the university, and it's named after Donald A. Spencer, who is the first African-American to serve as chairperson on the Board of Trustees. Students of the BSCPB are all running around Baker trying to help each other get ready for the big night, and it seemed this pageant is more about giving back rather than the glitz and glamour. I would definitely say the pageant is very beneficial just because it is going towards a scholarship and the scholarship helps is need-based so it helps a, a lot of students get through um, school and um, it's given to uh, like I said close to 10 um, students annually so um, it, it, just the that philanthropic um, component to it as well as it really takes the whole campus to really get behind this and the sponsoring organizations the contestants we have like five, six different departments in Baker working on this because it really it just takes um, a really a, the whole community to really make this happen. So I would say the pageant is definitely one of the key aspects to making uh, of our all of our events. One statement that came up a lot was students helping students. Special events coordinator DeAsia Leathers explains what she thinks that means. The complete idea of the Black Brain Spencer Scholarship pageant is the scholarship which is embodies like students helping students. Um, I think anyone who wins the scholarship would definitely be fortunate because it's extra money to help you pay for college and we know that that's a struggle for everyone.
Over in the ballroom, a group of contestants are rehearsing for the pageant. Junior Rico Boma is hoping to be the next Mr. Blackburn. Well, for me, I, I want to be a spokesperson for like freshmen and sophomores who are coming in who want to do the pageant. When they come, when they come into school, like you usually hear, they don't want to do the pageant because it's stressful and it's like time consuming. But I really want to let them know that other than that, like if you're committed and dedicated, like you'll be good. It's a great way to network. You meet a whole, like you're with a whole bunch of people for a long time. You make great friends. And in order to do that, I believe if I win, I'll be more credible. Like they'll really be drawn in more because I'll be a recent winner, so. That still raises the question, should giving back be more prominent on campus? Me coming into school, like I always wanted to do something for people. Like I have this opportunity to go to the great school and be educated. So if I have a lot of downtime and I really love this school, so why not give back to the same school that's given me an opportunity to become something in the future? Rico wanted to win the pageant not only for himself, but to be a voice for underclassmen students. And it turns out what he was hoping for before the pageant became a reality. He was crowned Mr. Blackburn 2016. Because he won, he will help underclassmen and in turn exemplify the phrase, students helping students. For The Outlet, I'm Jacquez Printup. The WOUB investigative unit has been looking into the heroin epidemic in Southeast Ohio, chronicling the issue and its impact on the community. This week, the team talked to local experts and recovering addicts about what it's like to be addicted to heroin. WOUB's Bianca Hillier has the story. It's like a warm blanket far, that covers your body. I mean, it just numbs you from everything. It just makes you feel, um, makes you feel know, good. Even though you're knotted out and probably sleeping, it's just something yeah, that we just, like as uh, opiate addicts. Megan Clark is recovering from what recent studies say is the deadliest dependency, heroin addiction. She's currently in a recovery program given through the Athens County Prosecutor's Office, which administers the injectable drug Vivitrol, used to manage cravings related to addiction. America saw a 248% increase in drug poisoning deaths involving heroin from 2010 to 2014. This is according to a June 2016 National Heroin Threat Assessment Summary conducted by the Drug Enforcement Administration. But according to local experts, addiction is a brain disease, not a failure in morality nor a behavioral problem. Ruben Kittle, the division director and felony investigator in the Athens County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, says people don't use drugs with the intention of becoming an addict. Not one person has ever told me they wanted to be an addict. And this is where it ultimately goes. You, it's not about having fun. It's not about getting high. Dr. Melinda Ford, who runs an addiction treatment clinic in Athens, says everyone has a normal level of happiness or how many chemicals are running around in their brains. Once you've messed that up with the drugs, you're going to feel horrible without them because you feel like everything is just missing. Jason Leach is also in a recovery program at the Athens County Prosecutor's Office. He says at first, you do have a choice. In the beginning, though, it is something you choose. I mean, the very first time you use, you're not an opiate addict, so you do have your choice. Jason says after a while, though, you do become dependent on the drugs. Megan and Jason both say they wouldn't be where they are today without the support of the Vivitrol program. 
Because I thought I was a lost cause. I just thought I was destined to be that think way forever. If you or someone you know is dealing with heroin addiction, the biggest support is simply being there, according to Jason. Don't give up on them. I mean, if you give up on them, then they give up on themselves, and then, that, then, then it ain't no good at all. Reporting for WOUB, I'm Bianca Hillier. Former President Bill Clinton came to Athens a few weeks ago. The outlet's Maddie Staley was at the campaign rally and talked to people there about the current political climate. College Green is full of Athens residents, students, and faculty. Music is playing and excitement fills the air as President Bill Clinton enters the stage. The former president was in Athens on Tuesday, October 4th, and his presence on campus got people excited for the upcoming election. President of the Ohio University College Democrats, Sam Miller, sees the importance of having Bill Clinton here in Athens. So, um... Bill Clinton is just a big deal in general. He's one of five living presidents left, um, and so just to have him on this campus is an honor. No matter which candidate citizens plan to vote for, an event like this has a huge impact. Athens resident Brian McAllister brought along his young son to show him the effect that Athens has on the election. Athens is, a, is an important place in terms of a lot of the questions that are on the ballot or in the uh, campaign right now, like. Uh, energy policy and education and things like that, so um, it's, a, it's an important site for, for, the, for both campaigns, I think. People like resident and OU graduate Bob Malott have been committing their time to encouraging other residents to get involved in the political process by voting. Every citizen has not just rights and not just uh, privileges, but responsibilities to get involved in the process. This election has been one that has had a lot of people talking. The two leading candidates have brought up a lot of controversy and residents are motivated more than ever to do their part and vote in the upcoming election. And, um, I, I'm probably more active this year than I've been in a long time to come out and try to rally people to register to vote. And it's, I've said to people, vote for whoever. It doesn't matter, but register, get involved. With Ohio being such a significant state, Athens residents that are taking part in the election are crucial to the process. Ohio is just such an important swing state. Um, we almost always decide the president. Many people, such as resident Nancy Walker, were unsure about the significance of this election, but found clarification after being present at the event. So there are things that I was a little fuzzy about, but now I understand much better, so I'm glad. With such a huge political figure in Athens, residents were thrilled to take part in the event. Those who were uneasy about the current political climate found clarity. But overall, the importance of voting and utilizing our rights as citizens was emphasized. The policy this next president makes and decides is going to affect all of us. There's so much at stake. There's Supreme Court justices that are going to be appointed. There is immigration policy. Everything is going to happen in this next presidency. So we need to all be aware of who we're voting for and why we're voting for them and what we want the future of our country to look like. No matter which side individuals are leaning toward, it seems as though having Bill Clinton and Athens motivated citizens to do their part and vote, as well as encourage others to do so. It's certainly a day that many Athens residents won't soon forget. For The Outlet, I'm Maddie Staley.
Company for the Heart is a special event that takes place here in Athens every Halloween. My co-host Abby got a glimpse inside what preparations for the parade look like. A group of about 40 people are hard at work in the Trisolini Gallery in Baker University Center. The students and members of the community are cutting shapes out of fabric, making crowns out of cardboard and felt, and cutting paper in the shape of feathers. Cutting these flowers out, it is kind of difficult to do, like, because of fabric. We are embellishing this fabric with lots of different little tiny pieces of fabric and shiny stuff. And we're sewing. I'm creating a like texture, I guess. It's kind of like feathers. I think maybe this is going to be a bird. All this is in preparation for Honey for the Heart, the annual puppet parade that kicks off the Halloween block party. It gets weird around 11 o'clock Halloween, right? So, and it's been weird for a long time. It's like, it is, there are 30,000 people on Court Street. So as a group of artists, we said, what if we made giant puppets and had a puppet parade at the beginning of Halloween? Could we shift the story, make it a little richer, deeper, and not just a crazy cacophony of oddness? That's Patty Mitchell, one of the founders of Honey for the Heart and the parade coordinator. She's explaining to a group of students how the idea for the parade came about five years ago. The parade takes place at 6 o'clock on the evening of the Halloween block party before things get weird, in the words of Patty, which makes the whole event very family-friendly. Not only is it accessible to people of all ages, but it has also created a link between the campus and the community. I think this is a great bridge between the university and the community and our Athens community. We get to hang out, see each other, talk to each other, and and have this shared experience in our shared community and have a shared story of this beautiful thing we made together and uh, celebrate Halloween. Arts for Ohio and Ohio University Learning Communities are sponsors of the parade. A learning community is a group of about 20 or so first-year students who take a group of common classes together. It's a great way to meet people and adjust to college. Many learning community leaders bring their students to help build the puppets, and Rosemary is one of those faculty members. This event is quintessentially Athens, and for first-year students to get an introduction not just to the university, but to the community that they live in is really important. And this kind of collaborative art making it doesn't matter what field you do, right? It's a creative endeavor and it allows you to play in a very creative way. What Rosemarie is talking about is apparent in the workspace. Students are working alongside community members, sewing and chatting about this town and what it has to offer. It truly exemplifies what our show is all about, where campus meets community. For The Outlet, I'm Abby Grisey. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced and co-hosted each week by me, Grace Warner, and Abby Grise. We are edited by Atish Badia, Susan Tebbin, and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant. Our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. 
Subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. Thanks for listening. 